Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. I'm your host, Bruce Bratley, founder of recycling company First Mile. On this show, we meet and learn from the climate heroes who are building solutions right now to tackle climate change. Today's guest on First Mile's Climate Heroes is Nigel Harvey, CEO of Ricolite, the lighting and electronics recycling company. Nigel's also been a previous guest talking about his activism with Extinction Rebellion, and thank you for coming on the show again. Today, Nigel is here to explain the importance of electronics recycling with a particular focus on lighting. It's estimated there are over 600 million light bulbs in use in the UK today, and Ricolite is achieving recycling rates of over 50% for lighting. So, Nigel, welcome to Climate Heroes. We seem to be very good at lighting up the planet. You can see our light from space and it consumes a huge amount of materials and energy. But what's the environmental problem with lighting and how are Ricolite solving it? I mean, you're absolutely right. There is lighting everywhere and it's almost a, a function of humanity is that one of the first things we do is start lighting up the space around us. The reality is actually with lighting in some ways, it's, it's like every other product. We have to be much more abstemious in what we use and when we use it. And the best form of lighting is actually that, that nuclear reactor in the sky. And so the best um, approaches to designing lighting now is to try to maximize the amount of daylight that's used so that you're not lighting places unnecessarily and having having systems that switch off lighting when uh, when when you're not there when there's nobody in the building uh, are a really important part of trying to make lighting even more efficient i love fellow leaders in the recycling sector when the first thing they say is not to produce waste in the first place um <laughs> and switch things off it's counterintuitive but it's yeah. definitely the right uh, way absolutely to go. i mean it would be we'd be very happy if we massively reduced the amount of product we recycle but saw that that reduction because there was more being reused or less being consumed that is the a much better environmental outcome so many of us look at recycling think oh recycling great job done ticked box we're achieving something the reality is that it's way down the waste hierarchy we should be reducing what we use and reusing what we can't use anymore much more than that recycling I've wrote lots of questions in preparation for the podcast and the one that was the most stupid question I uh, I'm going to ask but I'll do it early in the podcast is what's the worst type of lighting for the planet? Ooh, well almost certainly it's in those incandescent light bulbs that um, we all used to have in our houses what 15 years ago and you you're once a week the job will be to walk around the house and take out all the uh, the old light bulbs and the, the ones that are gone and, and replace them with new ones those were incredibly energy inefficient and so modern leds are around um, 90 percent more efficient than those incandescent ones but they are dire and I, when, when i cleared out my father's garage a, a few years ago to my horror i found a stockpile of incandescents so i had great joy in making sure that they were they were never put into service Brilliant. And I guess the the sort of the second worst type of lighting is one that's not switched off, probably, which I keep telling my children that that's the case. Absolutely. Again, you know, walking out of a room, the logic for us all, particularly at the moment with the energy prices being what they are, the logic is absolute to switch off everything. Um, and uh, that goes to the lighting as well. And I think one of the one of the 
concerns is because a lot of us have got LED lighting and because it consumes a lot less energy, people are happy to leave them on. It, we should still be switching off even though they are much more efficient because they're still consuming a bit of electricity. And I mean, lighting is much more conspicuous than waste heat, for example, unless it's a cold day and we can see it escaping from stacks. But as a proportion, are we wasting a massive amount of energy through lighting or is it relatively small? I mean, any energy we can save is important, but is it relatively small in comparison to not having our homes and offices insulated? It really depends on what type of lighting technology we've got in place. Most businesses will have will have switched, I think, away from incandescent and halogen lights to more environmentally friendly, either fluorescent or even better still, LEDs. Um, but there is still more to be done in that area because um, there is still quite a large number of fluorescent products um, in service currently. And in fact, there is going to be quite a change because during the course of 2023, a significant number of fluorescent lamps are going to be effectively banned from sale. In the, um, in the UK, we are effectively mirroring um, some bans that are being brought into place in Europe. And so that will provide further momentum to businesses to move away from fluorescent and into LED, which is you know, materially more efficient. And are they, being, are they being banned because they're less efficient or because they're sort of harder to recycle at the end of their lives? Primarily, it's mercury. They're mercury-containing lamps, and mercury is hazardous to health um, and is one of the way, main reasons why we, what we, we do what we do when it comes to recycling lamps. And so handling that mercury carefully and uh, responsibly is, a, is at the heart of that uh, driver. Clearly, also, they are not as efficient as LEDs, so there's, uh, you, you have the, the, the twin uh, elements. And so LED is currently the best technology for lighting that we've invented. Is that the case? That, that's, that's correct, yes. And it's still getting a little more efficient, but it, you know the, the jumps aren't nearly as big as the jump when we move from fluorescent to LED. And is the LED recycling problematic when it gets to the end of its life, or is it a relatively benign product that can be recycled more easily? It's an interesting point. It, it, they are harder to recycle than fluorescent tubes. One of the benefits of fluorescent tubes is that they were all very similar in construction, uh, very similar in composition, and recycling works best when you have a fairly uniform feedstock. And so the, the more heterogeneous the feedstock, the harder it is to get a, a good recovery rate of, uh, of materials. So whereas um, you know, fluorescent tubes are actually quite straightforward to recycle leds there's got a, you've got a plethora of different tech different um construction materials and methods you've got glass plastic ceramic um or you know all, all, all metals of various um types so you you get a, a lot more heterogeneity and with that they actually are surprisingly therefore harder to recycle than fluorescent and they and they do feel like a much more sort of solid product rather than a tube or a bulb, which is sort of quite a fragile thing. They feel almost like a sort of much sort of high degree of engineering in them. That's that's very true. And actually, that one of one of the challenges with fluorescent products is that they're almost all got fragile glass components, and so that creates an added level of hazard when uh, collecting and recycling them. Less so with LEDs; they're they're, they're solid state basically. What's your sort of projection when everyone will be moved over to LEDs or do you think it's sort of just taking such a long time that it, it's sort of impossible to tell? 
Well, it's one thing for most products sold being LEDs, but actually getting them put into service takes a, a lot longer. And so we, in terms of the waste coming back, we still think it'll be, it'll be more than 50% fluorescent by 2030. In other words, there will be a long, slow tail of, uh, of product returning. That's partly also because LEDs last longer. So once you put an LED in, it takes, doesn't take as long, or takes far longer before it comes back as waste. Sometimes it feels like we've got too much light in the West, and particularly when you see those images of the Earth at night and, there's, and all the, the main uh, sort of light pollution sources are, are big cities or Western, Western countries. Two questions. Have we got too much light in the West? And also, are developing countries now sort of in some ways getting ahead of us because the only thing they're installing is LEDs? Or have we made the mistake of exporting old technology to developing countries and they're having to put in inefficient lighting? I know one of the benefits of LEDs is they're more directional, and so one of the the issues when you when you see images of the planet from outer space, you see lots of light. That's in part because street lighting um, is, or, or or some street lighting can be, can release light upwards as well as downwards. LEDs can be more directional, so they can place light where you need it on the uh, road or on the uh, on the pavement but even so many more councils now are switching off street lighting between for example the the, the, the hours of you know, midnight and uh, and five o'clock or midnight and six o'clock that's energy saving but actually it's also reducing light pollution as regards the um the, sort of the global south I'm not sure exactly what, what the level of take-up of LEDs is, but you're, you're right, in some areas it may well be possible that just as you know, they, they leapfrogged you know, wired phones and went straight to mobile, it's quite possible that they, you know, if, you, if you start for the first time, you'd obviously go straight to LED and not implement anything that was uh, suboptimal. And I think when Ricoh like started, it was very much um, a compliance scheme, and we should probably explain what they, 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 those are to listeners around producer responsibility, where lighting producers need to take responsibility for their lighting at the end of it, end of its life. But we've spoken on a couple of occasions now, and it feels like that you're moving the business more into the area of thinking about these wider environmental issues associated with lighting, and it's almost sort of more consultancy if you like around solutions on lighting and making you know getting businesses to focus on reducing the amount of energy they're using or installing the right things and is is there is there a, a change that's happened over the last couple of the years in the business in terms of from from a sort of straightforward plain vanilla compliance scheme into having wider impact yes i mean when we were set up uh we we were set up as a not-for-profit organization Owned by four of the the, um, the world's largest lighting companies, and we're still we're still that we're still not for profit and owned by producers. So, um, you know, we, we, our mission is not to make money for shareholders. Our mission is to do the right thing for the now north of two hundred companies that are members of our scheme. Um, but yes, over over the last two or three years, we really have transformed the way we run our business and it and it started really in truth because of lockdown uh, we had planned to run a small conference about lighting and the circular economy in march 2020 and of course march 2020 didn't happen for most of us and, and so what we did instead was to move to online webinars 
And we've run, I think now since then, over 20 webinars with over, over 3,000 people listening in, listening again. And uh, we have used those webinars, used our, our commitment to the environment to really drive and change the, our business and to focus far more on helping lighting companies to adopt circular economy principles far more. And so we also ran um, a conference and exhibition called Circular Lighting Live a couple of months ago, which um, which was uh, ran at capacity with 250 delegates. Um, we're doing the same next year, with um, and we've we've increased the capacity by about um, a third. We're providing other services and support to help lighting companies design products for the circular economy and. It's partly that the circular economy is, is really important. It's par partly the passion of the Recolite team and myself for trying to make, make a difference in, in our business. And it's also partly that there is, a, there is a latent need that companies out there need this extra support and help because they all recognize that the circular economy is something we have to be moving to and we're, we're helping them to, uh, to achieve that. So that involves things like third-party certification to specific um, circular economy standards, um, uh, information services, so really from the grain of one conference that was due to start in lockdown and never happened, actually we've, we've, we're doing so much more now. And what are the key, I mean, that's fantastic. And what are the key principles then for, because um, I'm very sort of familiar with the circular economy of, of packaging, if you like, and, and materials uh, that come from sort of regular recycling, if you like, but what are the principles of circular economy in, in lighting? Well, perhaps one of the most fundamental ones is modularity. And so, because the, the, there are lighting products now that you and I could buy or businesses could buy, and actually they're a concealed unit. And if one part fails, you effectively have to take out the whole thing. Um, it goes to uh, waste or recycling, and you have to buy a, a new one. So having a, a more modular approach to that product, so you can remove and replace um, critical components is the um, the key, um, and then there are issues like what what do you use in terms of the raw materials? For example, do you always use virgin plastic, or can you use some plastic from recycled sources? Because ultimately, there's no point in you and I running companies that recycle plastics if they're not being put back into new products being made. You know, what's the point? So encouraging manufacturers to use non-virgin plastics is something that I think is, is, is going to uh, to really become increasingly important. And I suspect we're going to see standards and legislation around this um, area before too long. And is it, is it a very long supply chain in terms of um, where lighting is made across the planet or do we have a domestic lighting industry here? Actually, as an electronics industry, um, lighting is unusual in that we do have a significant number of UK-based manufacturers. If you go to other tech sectors like refrigeration or um, display equipment, televisions, there's there's virtually no manufacturer in the in the UK. With lighting, there is there are quite a, a number of manufacturers. So yes, actually talking to them in terms of circularity means we are talking to the right people who can make a difference. And of course, another part of circularity is is shortening supply chains as well. And so uh, a, you know a shortened supply chain is always going to be better than a you know bringing product equivalent product from the other side of the planet. 
And is there an element of, um, well, the modularity sounds ideal. Is there an element also of putting more resources and technology into the lighting system so it becomes smarter, it switches on and off, it learns, you know, a bit like your thermostat at home learns when you're going to come home, it turns the heating up, turns it down again. Have we sort of got as developed as we're going to be with, uh, you know, a sensor that switches the light on when you go in the loo and then switches it off again, or, or is there more coming around the technology? There's a huge amount of that technology available a lot of it has not yet been implemented. So yes, that occupancy detection that, that detects the presence of an individual and then switches on the lights um, is available, is not used as widely as it should. There are some systems that will you know, light up a corridor as you walk along it, but then the lights behind you are being switched off and the lights in front of you are being switched on. So you, you, you almost walk through a, a cone of light um, and um, it minimizes the uh, the amount of time that the lights are actually switched on. So there's a, there's a lot of smart controls available. They haven't been as widely used as they should. And what do you think the barrier to that is? Just a sort of higher cost of installation, or it's cost, it's awareness, it's it's knowledge. It's it's perhaps partly because people think, oh, we've got LED lights, we've done the lighting, let's move on. And, you know, it's that the danger of the ticked box. I think a ticked box is a real danger. We should always be looking at every box and saying, is there more we can do in that? Because actually, to, to really address the climate crisis, to really address, address the energy crisis, we cannot afford to leave any stone unturned. First Mile is the UK's leading waste management service. We help over 30,000 businesses reduce their carbon impact with our award-winning range of recycling solutions. Go to our website, which is thefirstmile.co.uk, to get started today. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday. And just going back to circular economy then, are you looking in the, in, in the sort of work you're doing with the lighting manufacturers, are you looking at new ownership models? So rather than manufacturers selling lighting to a, a building, it's um, lighting as a service where it's rented rather than uh, actually selling the product? Yes, I mean, uh, uh, and a number of our members, as I mentioned, we've got about 200 lighting producers that are members of our scheme. And, and some of those are offering lighting as a service. And clearly there's a lot of benefit to that because effectively it means that the, the original producer still owns the product and when it reaches its end end of its life or end of the contract it's on one a long contractual string that effectively the producer can pull and the the almost always the best organization who could then take in that used product and upgrade it update it reuse it is going to be the original producer so there are there are distinct benefits associated with um, leasing models um, then I, would, I wouldn't say they're in wide use at the moment, but certainly some are implementing them. And that sounds like, I mean, I was going to ask about the level of reuse and upgrading of light fittings, and it sounds like that's something in its early stages at the moment, but definitely something that's possible. It is, and we are trying really quite hard to drive up reuse, and it's, it's not easy, Bruce. Perhaps the most successful models are when a company owns a building and says right i want i want to improve the lighting but i'm willing to get the ones that are already in situ um, upgraded then they will bring in uh, you know a contractor who look at it and say yes well we can do x and y we can take out this fluorescent component and put in this led light source in instead 
if they get taken out and then given to us as as waste fittings it's a lot harder to get those reused partly because the contractor just you know drags them out the ceiling drops them to the floor throw you know kicks them around a bit they're then regarded as as waste rather than a, a used product that's capable of um, a further life and so dealing with them in that situation is hard we're still trying and we're, we're, we're you know we're looking for opportunities to in, encourage reuse particularly of products have got higher intrinsic value and um you know, I'm, I'm sure we will we will have some good examples of success, but they will be few and far between compared to that alternative approach, which is where the, the original owner says, I'm not going to chuck these out. I want to do something with them. And is the um, uh, it's an important distinction between the fittings and the actual um, light source, the light bulb. Is the producer responsibility on the fitting as well, or are, we, or, or, or are your members only responsible for their... Is it called? Is it still called the bulb? If it's an LED fitting, I don't know. We tend to call them lamps or light sources, but um, we, no, we, our members make both, and we're responsible for both. So both the both the fitting and the, the the separate light source, if it is exists as a separate light source. And as I mentioned before, so, you, know, you, you do get some light fittings that are, are completely integral with no removable light source. We've talked about minimising the use of light, minimising the use of fittings, reuse, different business models, but fundamentally you're hitting this 50% recycling target that we talked about in the introduction. How are bulbs recycled? Is it a very specialist um, stream? And what are the challenges around recycling light sources, I should say? Uh, Yes, for fluorescent tubes, there are half a dozen uh, companies around the UK that are specialist recyclers. And you've actually got to, you basically, you've got to break the bulb in controlled conditions or the fluorescent tube in, con, in, in controlled conditions um, under negative air pressure so that the, the, uh, the, the mercury vapor is collected appropriate through, appropriately through carbon filters. Then it goes through a process of separating out the metals from the glass and other materials. So, um, yes, it's, it's, it is quite specialist um, and we work with a number of those independent recycling companies. We're a scheme, so we, we, we actually manage the collection ourselves and, and then deliver the, um, the product to our recyclers. And what's the problem with people just dumping lights and light fittings in, in general waste bins? It's it, it's a real problem, and particularly with businesses, because actually they you know they, they may end up taking out you know a, a number of fluorescent tubes, and it's so easy, unfortunately, for those to be put at the bottom of a skip, and then you throw a, a load of bricks on top, and they're gone, they've disappeared. The only problem is the mercury hasn't, and so you've then got mercury contaminated waste. That mercury can contaminate landfill, can contaminate um, rainwater, surface water. Um, it's uh, it, it is far far better for them to be properly recycled and the truth is actually we offer a free recycling service because we're financed by our members because we're a not-for-profit provided any company collects sufficient waste lamps we will give them a container for free we'll then collect it for free and we'll even pay for the consignment note as well Um, and we will deal with the waste get it delivered to one of the uh, the recyclers and can you know make sure that it's been they've been properly recycled and if you're a member of the public and you've got a sort of garage, a box in the garage full of bulbs and tubes and lighting, how, how do they find you to recycle? Probably the best approach there is to take them to the nearest household waste recycling centre and there will be a container on that site. Um, some of them will be ours, some will be other companies 
and you, they can be left there and they will be properly recycled, no doubt. They'll be properly recycled by an authorised organisation based in the UK. And are you getting either a separate part of the business or parts of light fittings, other electronic equipment or batteries? Are batteries do you get backup batteries in light fit, certain commercial light fittings? Or are you, are you finding that your waste stream is getting broader and broader and broader that you're trying to handle? Yes, we we certainly collect waste batteries as well because actually, yes, light fittings that are emergency light fittings contain backup batteries. And so when our members are involved in projects to, for example, take out a whole load of um, uh, light fittings and replace them with new LED versions, um, we will we can provide a battery container into which the waste batteries can be placed and we'll make sure those are recycled as well. So so yes, we, we recycle an increasing range of different types of uh, types of products with the objective of making sure they're dealt with properly and kept out of landfill. On this show, we're building a hall of fame for climate heroes, and we always ask our wonderful guests to leave something in First Mile's Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. So, what or who would it be? I will put in the humble LED bulb, or lamp as we call it in the lighting industry, because actually, compared to incandescent products a decade ago, they have reduced energy consumption by 90%, and that is quite an awesome achievement. And so, you know, we, we've all got them in our houses and we take them for granted, but actually that is a massive change. And Edison and, and the other colleagues that invented the light bulb with him, um, I, what would he think of the LED? I think Edison or Swan would be would be delighted by the technological achievement. I mean, it is so much more sophisticated than a simple, you know, a little coil of wire that heats up in a um, in in an atmosphere that allows it to glow without burning. It's uh, you know, it's a totally different way of, uh, of of producing light. Thank you. That's a great addition. We also what we're trying to do is to give people ideas of how to change their habits um, so climate positive habit changing if you were going to give uh, people a suggested uh, new habit to help the planet what would it be i have to say that all of those good habits that we we put in like insulating our houses getting rid of our gas boilers and putting in heat pumps um, reducing the amount of meat and dairy we eat because it's bad for the um, it, it produces a lot of a lot of methane um, stopping flying stopping driving all of those are great habits but I remain convinced that the the biggest change we need to make collectively is for the government to put in those big picture changes and so um, the habit I would encourage everybody to do is to actually get out there and protest because until we get the government making it harder to do the wrong thing and easier to do the right thing by legislative and tax changes, our individual micro changes won't amount to a hill of beans. Excellent. I love it. Get out there and exercise your power as a citizen. You're collecting a good proportion of uh, the UK's uh, waste lighting through Rico Light, Nigel. What's coming up in the future that you're excited about? What are the new initiatives that we're going to see from Rico Light? I think some of the biggest changes are actually changes we need in the legislation. 
and it is shocking that online marketplaces continue not to, or, or to be largely um, non-compliant with the um, we and other producer responsibility legislation. So, for example, I just went through an exercise of looking at disposable vapes on Amazon last week. I looked at the first top 50 when I searched on disposable vapes. I, I got something like 600 hits of those first top 50, not a single company selling those products was registered for the WE regulations. Complete non-compliance. Um, as, as we probably know, you, you probably know uh, disposable vapes are a, are a real problem and uh, you get exactly that or a very similar situation mirrored in lighting as well. A large proportion of the LED light bulbs that you and I could buy on most online marketplaces are not compliant with the WE regulations. This is an issue that's been around for five, six, seven years and we still unfortunately have got a situation where the, um, the government hasn't implemented the changes that they could to bring these companies into compliance. And is that because they're registered abroad or because they are registered here and unaware or aware and avoiding registering with a compliance scheme? It's both. And so of, of those 50 vape companies I looked at last week, I think roughly half were based in China, roughly half were based in the UK. And you can understand why the Chinese ones are, are, are harder to bring into compliance, but the, the half based in the UK, um, you know, the, the, the Environment Agency as, as the, the WE police should effectively be knocking on their doors and, and getting them into, um, into compliance, and it's not happening. And um, what would success look like for you at Rico, like Nigel? Success for me would be a significant increase in the level of reuse of light fittings that we are able to encourage. Um, and that would be because an increasing number of our members, particularly those that manufacture in the UK, have set up um, reuse and remanufacturing facilities so that they can take their own product back upgrade it and place it back on the market. It's about moving from energy efficiency, which is, you know, we've largely achieved in the lighting sector, to material efficiency. And material efficiency means we can produce another light source using far less materials because we're reusing so many of the parts. And so I would love to be able to further help our producer members to achieve significant higher levels of, of, of reuse and that for me would be a, a real plus. Sorting out this, this um, the, the online marketplaces absolutely as well, that's a, a DEFRA change in, le in legislation. I'd also like to see DEFRA change the legislation that, that, and they're actually considering this, to give businesses the right of um, free uplift from their sites subject to there being uh, sufficient sort of waste for collection. But yes, I, th I think um, there's still work to be done before we hit success, and um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing it. And do it on the re on, on the reuse. Do, we, do you think the legislation needs to change for that, or is that hearts and minds primarily? I think it's it's mainly hearts and minds and the market. I think there are some some areas in which the legislation has to be changed to make it 
easier for businesses and consumers to do the right thing. And so one of the examples always, always mooted is actually don't charge VAT on reused, remanufactured product. And that would be a, an easy win. But then at the same time, I understand that in, 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 the, in the current environment, you know, that they, are the Treasury going to be looking at trying to exempt more products from VAT? Absolutely not. So, um, <laughs> but actually, but, but we, we do need some step changes like that that make reused product more attractive to businesses and to consumers. Excellent. And then, Nigel, we're sort of drawing, drawing, to the, drawing to the close here. We've got a few more things going on. And what other climate initiatives are you getting excited about? Or there might be others that I'm not aware of yet. Gosh, climate initiatives. Well, well, personally, as you mentioned, I'm very active in Extinction Rebellion, and I remain convinced that nonviolent direct action um, is is the the best way of raising the profile of the need to act on the climate and of encouraging the government to change. Because at the moment, there is so much that they're doing that is not uh, not right. So, so absolutely, Extinction Rebellion, and there's a, there's a, a, a an act. A, a, a large protest being sh- scheduled now for the 21st of uh, of April. So that's uh, that to me is absolutely uh, absolutely vital if we're going to get um, if we're going to remain with a livable planet um, because we've really struggled to implement the good some of the good intentions that have been um, talked about in the past. And indeed, and we don't really want the lights to go out on the planet, although the planet's going to be fine. It's just the uh, lights to go out on humanity is the problem. Absolutely. And that, that scares me. That really scares me. And I think it should scare us all. Absolutely. Well, Nigel, it's been fantastic having you on uh, First Month's Climate Heroes. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's always a huge pleasure to speak to you, and I now feel much more knowledgeable about the world of lighting. Um, thank you very much. And um, we will see you very soon. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it, Bruce. All the best. I'm Bruce Bratley, and you've been listening to First Miles Climate Heroes, where we meet incredible people making an impact to tackle climate change. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday.